When it comes to maximizing time in the uplands, without fail, Onyx Hunt is my most valuable tool. From planning my next hunt through a new bird cover to navigating in the field, Onyx Hunt is truly with me wherever I go. With detailed mapping and satellite imagery, along with a multitude of map layers from land access to forestry and habitat information and easy-to-use tools to mark, measure, and catalog important information, Onyx Hunt seamlessly integrates digital scouting with boots-on-the-ground time in the field. With offline mapping and Apple CarPlay integration, you are free to explore the wild landscapes our beloved upland birds inhabit. Planning your next move in the uplands begins with knowing where you stand, and for me, that starts and stops with Onyx Hunt. Download the Onyx Hunt app today and use the promo code BSP20 to save 20% on your Onyx Hunt subscription. When the miles rack up faster than your flush count, that's when you'll truly appreciate your hunting vest from Final Rise. Built for the uplands and proudly sewn in the USA, the complete lineup of hunting vests from Final Rise, from their all-new Summit XT down to the minimalist Sidekick system, are all built upon the foundational load-bearing waist belt and low-profile shoulder strap system, which allow you to carry all the gear you need and do so comfortably while maintaining your ability to move freely and perform when you need to most. With a complete lineup of accessories and newly released performance field apparel, Final Rise has the gear you need to help you get the most out of every mile and every flush. Final Rise gear is built for the uplands. Get yours today at FinalRise.com. of the Birdshot Podcast is presented by Onyx Hunt, Final Rise, and Upland Gun Company. On this episode of the show, we're talking Onyx Hunt with Ben Bredigan. Thanks for tuning in to episode number 236. Welcome to another episode of the Birdshot Podcast, everybody. Thank you for joining us on this very special September 1st episode. That's right, everyone. It's official. I know our friends up in Alaska are already hunting, but September 1 is kind of the kickoff for me. So I want to wish everybody a happy Friday, happy hunting season. Maybe some of you are out in the dove fields today or have your first hunting trips coming up very soon. It's always a good reminder for myself how lucky I am to be able to pursue wild birds and wild places behind my bird dogs, have the time and the freedom to do so. Every day in the field is another one to be thankful for and we'll hopefully have a bunch of them this fall so if you've been listening to the podcast for a while or you're just checking it out now either way i wish you all the very best hunting season safe travels safe hunting take care of those bird dogs have some fun out there that's what it's all about all right we will quickly thank patreon patrons of the bird chat podcast those be out there making voluntary contributions supporting the show keeping these conversations coming your way earlier this week we had a patreon zoom room with nick adair gdiy podcast and his patrons and patrons of the birdshot podcast had a good two-hour conversation talking about all things pre-hunting season we got into some of the gear we use and carry and some shotgun talk some reloading talk taking care of the bird dogs pet insurance footwear should i have two pairs of boots and rotate them it was a pretty wide-ranging conversation we had a lot of fun that conversation will probably be up on the patreon page for any patrons that missed it very soon 
So just want to mention that patrons of the show are eligible for that bonus content when we do that. We do some Patreon giveaways and we set everybody up with some Birdshot podcast can coolers and stickers. You can learn more and sign up at patreon.com forward slash Birdshot. All right, we're talking Onyx Hunt today with Ben Bredigan, wing shooting manager at Onyx Hunt. Always good to catch up with Ben, get the lowdown on some of his travels. He's got a new English setter in the mix this fall. He is busy getting ready to head out for his first hunt of the year. We talk about what he's doing to prepare a little bit, and we get into some Onyx Hunt updates and some conversation about scouting for sharp tails and huns using Onyx maps, which will likely be on the minds of many listeners out there. So hope you enjoy this one. Once again, happy September 1st, everybody. Let the good times roll. And with that said, let's welcome into the conversation and back to the Birdshot Podcast, Ben Bredigan. All right, buddy. We are live on the... No, we're not live. I don't know why I say that, but we're, we're on the Birdshot <laughs> Podcast, Ben. Somebody, someday <laughs> listeners will hear this. I don't know when yet, but <laughs> welcome back, man. Oh, it's great to be back. It's a great time of year. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting excited. How about you? Oh, I'm I'm there. And anytime August rolls around, it, it's I try not to blink because I've always got so much stuff to do, so much thing, so many things to do around the house. Yep. And if I blink, it it just disappears. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm right there with yeah. you. I I was think I think I was talking to somebody recently. You know, if we if we exclude hunting season, which is most of our favorite time of year, as a as a fellow Minnesotan, would you say that August is one of the best months in Min- and, and this may differ because you you don't live on the shores of Lake Superior as I do, but I kind of yes. I kind of say August is like the most enjoyable, most pleasant month of living here in Duluth, Minnesota, just because you've got the lake is probably at its warmest temperature of the year. And we still can kind of get some nice, cool mornings and evenings, but it's generally pretty warm, pretty nice. And obviously hunting season's right around the corner, but August is pretty nice. It, it really is. Like I, I don't live on the shores of Lake Superior, so I don't get that uh, buffering effect. It's <laughs> hot, but, um, but yeah, the, the nice, the cool mornings are just, that's where it's awesome. You can get out and run dogs where July it's, hot and just nasty at least you can get out run dogs now yeah um yeah and and then like the anticipation like half the i don't know i really like the lead up to hunting season and you know getting things tweaked getting new gear um i think the anticipation is like half the fun and getting ready yeah i would definitely agree with that it is it's a it's kind of that annual cycle you know it's it ebbs and flows and right now we're definitely on the on-ramp of the season so along with getting prepared and and looking ahead comes that sort of elevating excitement and yeah i suppose thinking about that this is probably when you you live a little bit further south than i do you you guys start to get some relief like you said in july it's you know the temp doesn't really dip down at night but now you can start to feel it and i was talking to one of my guests last week you know this is the time of year where one cool morning and a couple scents swirling around in the air that that can really set the tone for what's to come hundred percent. Yep. I'm ready for it. What's been your main, main focus lately? I know you've got a, you've got a new dog and uh, obviously a young dog in, in Amos. What have you been up to with the pups and the whole crew? Are you working on conditioning? What's, what's the story? Yeah. You know, I, I've, I wish I could say I've gotten out more, but you know, I've got a one-year-old daughter 
and you know how that works that just like that's important flips everything (laughs) flips everything priorities change flips everything on its head but um yeah really really just trying to get out and run little conditioning and then with a with fred the little setter um yeah just just trying to get him exposure get him using his nose ranging out a little bit um and going through any type of cover right so uh bird wise it's this is also a great time to be working on wild pheasants it's about my favorite time to chase pheasants Mm. and i don't even have a gun i just have a, a you know a starter pistol but the birds just behave so well right now interesting um and don't get me wrong i do like pheasant hunting but as the season rolls on and the birds start running and it's just not as conducive for pointing dogs and they're they act like pheasants yeah they're a little running <laughs> devil so right now like they'll hold nicely um you know you get the broods and and it's just a great time to to sharpen dogs up yeah so would you have having never run on like early season wild pheasants and really not many pheasants at all my dogs don't see many of them but would you kind of compare it to what we're all looking forward to next month where we all talk about how how enjoyable it is to hunt early season sharp tails are they kind of behaving more like that that's exactly what they're like i would i mean you get some older birds that will still run but for the most part yes it is it's that is a great analogy because it is just like that yeah and you don't have to you know for us we don't have to drive out west to go do it exactly yeah for me at least it's you know i can be five minutes away and run a dog yeah that's cool so all right the setter he he is new to the string fred talk to me talk me through sort of how you where's he where's he out of and what was the decision making process how how big or how small of a decision was it for you to add a new dog and and specifically an english setter yeah, it was it was not something I had planned on, and and my wife would say the same thing. It was it was kind <laughs> of a like, oh okay, type of deal. But um, so he uh, a friend of mine, AJ Kalupos, uh, who runs High Point Setters, um, he had a litter of, a litter of puppies, and a friend of mine, Kyle Peterson. You might you probably talked to Kyle before, yeah, yep, or at least know how, yep. I know. Who so he is. Kyle's dog, Easy, is out of a similar breeding, That's and right. that dog is just one of the most natural dogs in the Grosswoods I've seen. I think field trial wise, it's going to have a great, great uh, career. One, uh, one uh, trial at you know just aged out. Won a trial this summer. Mm. So, and then in so great dog. So the the father the stud for that dog was uh jetwood okay who died young was a fantastic producer produced ponderosa mac okay who very winning cover dog right now one of the better ones in recent memory and so he bred aj bred uh that same bitch to mac and so it was like okay like that's cool great and He's like, well, I've got, I've got a dog left. He was going to keep another one. And he's like, you want one? And I was like, oh, no, not really. Like, <laughs> I can't. I shouldn't do that, baby. I still got Amos, who's two and a half years old. Yep. And we were up running up north. And he said, like, well, just think about it. And so I went home and 
it's like shoot i should probably get another dog i have i am i am weak i'm weak nick <laughs> <laughs> well I, so I, I, I i imagine it's not that hard to come up with reasons to get the dog it's the harder thing would be to come up with reasons why you shouldn't get it <laughs> Yeah, exactly. My wife had a laundry list. Of right. Them, I but, can imagine. <laughs> yes. So anyways, we ended up with with Fred and then uh, I, I wanted to experience what, you know, what the setters were like. Obviously, I did the pointer thing and love the pointers. Like uh, right now, that is the bar that I will compare Fred against is Amos. Yeah. So um, obviously diff- different dogs, but I'm I'm excited to see what, you know, kind of how he turns out. It's already been. Uh, already been a lot different you know the 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 thought process of, of pointers growing up mm. faster is a hundred percent true i remember at at this age i was looking at pictures and um and obviously range isn't the only consideration but i think in about a week when i dropped amos in montana he ran across an entire section and they're both <laughs> the same age yeah. so um Fred is not going to do that. So, yeah, just just comparing and contrasting and seeing those differences is is pretty interesting. So, yeah, that will be interesting to see because yeah, that's one thing you hear. English setters can be slower maturing, and you know it's a generalization, but obviously it comes from somewhere, and so you're kind of seeing that seeing that play out a little bit. How old is Fred now? So Fred will be he'll be five months here pretty soon. Okay. So he's, that's, that's yeah. a pretty good age, pretty good timing for the season. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, we're going to start it out in Sharpie country. Yep. And that's, a, I mean, you know, it's just a great chance to get a bird, a lot of bird contacts. And it sounds like the even like the pheasant numbers out there are good this year. So I have no problem running them through good pheasant cover just to get, just to get bird contacts. Yeah. So. Yeah, that, that first, oh, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say. Uh, I was going to ask if you had done like what you had done with Fred so far is he is because I guess we kicked into this with you talking about getting out on some some pheasants now that the mm-hmm. quiet periods are over has has Fred been out working birds at all? He has been, yeah. Okay. And, and really, it's your I've just been you know I've I've got the right birds. You're really looking for the right birds where you they kind of got to stumble into them. Mm-hmm. Um, and we ran on some sharpies the other day as well. And it's nice with with Amos now. I can work on his steadiness, Amos will go find him. Um, then I'll go run Fred into him. And it's just got to be that right situation where dog smells it. And then obviously like a little puppy in that tall grass, like they, they really need to, I'd like them to see the birds when they fly. Yeah. Um, just to really fire them up. And, and we've had a few chances, but I'm really hoping Montana just to get a, a pile of contacts because I have seen it firsthand i mean you can have a, a dog with a mediocre mediocre breeding or you know just not that great of bird dog and put them into a pile of birds and that makes all the difference yeah yeah absolutely that goes a long ways and that first season can be can be critical so i imagine yeah. your your hopes are high and your expectations are are set but it's going to be a fun season for you either way oh it should be 100 percent, and really just I can't wait to get in the girls woods. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding. Yeah. <laughs> well, I it's it's good to hear that Fred is progressing well. I was I was hoping there was no residual effect due due to our sort of flawed intro to birds we had at Pine Ridge when we had the pigeon get in your truck and 
we showed showed Fred his first pigeon at about eight weeks. <laughs> oh, I still have that. That picture is great. Uh, can't say I've ever had that happen before, but that was a goofy pigeon. What the? He he wouldn't leave, and the dogs were on the ground. I'm I'm like recalling this now. He was walking around our trucks. One of Jerry's loose pigeons, escapees, wouldn't go back to the coop, and was like real casual around a bunch of dogs on the ground trying to get himself killed, but. Yeah, he was underneath the truck sitting on, like, the axle and sitting on the drive shaft, and then he flew inside the truck. It was like, what in the world? Yeah. But, hey, I mean, I guess there's there's a lot of ways to skin the cat on yeah. bird intro, and we, we skinned it a different way. <laughs> Maybe that lit the fire for old Fred. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was funny. I'm, I want to ask about Ponderosa Mac. And you can like, because that's a name that obviously you've gotten involved in some of the grouse trial stuff. You've been running Amos and you've gotten closer to some of those events. And Ponderosa Mac is a, even to me on the outside looking in, that name just comes up, you know, it comes up and comes up and I can pretty much follow the the idea here. Obviously it's a great dog. People are interested in the bloodlines and the genetics, but beyond that, I, like I've never seen the dog. I don't know much else about him. Like what kind, what makes a dog like that? What makes Ponderosa Mac Ponderosa Mac? You know, um, and there's a lot of people that would be more way more qualified to talk about him than me. But um, so what? What I have what I have been told from you know people that have been around the game for a long time, um, and, and what he's proven. I think right now he's like at eight-time champion, mm, wow. three-time runner-up, um, won the, the Grand National a few times. And really kind of what what his X factor would be, I guess, is that he finds birds when no other dogs find birds. Okay. He is just, he's got a, a natural forward-running race, and he flat-out finds birds. So th- I think that is like the thing that really sets him apart. And there's, you know, I know you talked to, to Sonny yep. in the past and that's his thing is like some dogs have the X factor and some don't. And that dog just like when you put him on the ground, he is going to find birds and look good, look really good doing. Sure. It. Sure. Yeah. When you're winning, when you're winning events and stuff, there's a baseline level of, you know, you're going to have, you're going to have the style and the, and the race and the, but it's, yeah, that's, that does seem to be. I mean, again, if a dog if a dog can find birds when other when other dogs seemingly can't, that's that's definitely going to set them apart because they're probably not all that far apart physically. No, 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 not at all. And the thing is, is so the Grand National is is a lot of the times it's held out east, and the thing of like the thing out there is like there is just there's not as many birds. Like they're right flat out. Like there's like it could be hot, dry, nasty conditions. And, you know, you find it, get a dog that has two fines. That's pretty significant. So, um, and then just, just to be able to maintain that run, like if it's 80, 80 degrees out and to run an hour and run a hard an hour and find birds in those conditions, like that's not always easy. So Mac seems to, I think he did it in 2018. And then again in 2021, Mm. Um, I think he was a runner up in 17. So, um, yeah, just, just, uh, pretty, I think he's the winningest cover dog in history. So, wow. But in easy, you know, he, a lot in terms of his progeny, like his, his 
puppies and what he's produced, like you're starting to see, I mean, a lot of people have bred to him, so mm-hmm. we'll see, you know, what, how he produces, but it was apparent that Jetwood, his, the dad of, of Mac was a producer. So, um, but that, right. It doesn't always follow. Right. Right. There's, there, there could be like, uh, I mean, you look at, um, uh, why am I blanking on the name? Shadow Oak uh, Bow. Shadow Oak Bow. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, wasn't you were a going. great producer, yep. right? Yeah. So, yeah, it'll it'll be interesting, but um, he is definitely Mac was is you know definitely a hell of a dog. Yeah, it's interesting to th- I, I haven't thought a lot about it. it would be it would be far more interesting to talk to somebody that's bred a lot of dogs and gets into this stuff. But just to you know, when you have a dog that's successful like that he kind of will skew the data set a little bit because people recognize that and then they want to breed them. So then that dog gets a chance to throw a ton of puppies on the ground. So you kind of, yeah, you, you kind of, you know, you elevate the sample size, but to your point, you just mentioned shadow Oak bow, who was basically most well known for winning the, um, it was the, not the grouse trial, but the, yeah, the national championship. The national championship. Yeah. yeah, he was like the that. first setter, and he won it back to back years, I believe. Yeah, and, and a setter hadn't won for right. like, I mean, decades and decades. So it was a bit of an anomaly. Yeah, and then he, and then after that, obviously, people see that and they, they, you want know, to, you want to play yeah. the lottery basically, and and see see what you can produce with Shadow Oak Bowl. So he got bred a lot, but as you as you pointed out, maybe developed a reputation for not producing a lot but he he definitely put a lot of pups on the ground as has yes. ponderosa max so that's just kind of interesting yeah i mean you yeah you look at you look at a lot of the pedigrees and it's like shadow oak bow is going to show up mm-hmm. almost somewhere on all of them but um yeah it's like that that's the whole thing about breeding right it's one plus one doesn't always equal two yeah yeah so yeah it, it's that that whole i mean the guys that are good at it are uh it's pretty special and, and really, it's just a lot of times it's a numbers game. Just like you just putting out a lot of dogs and, and taking the best ones and keep progressing and learning. And yeah, um, because, yeah, it's not it's not simple math or anything like that. And Ponderosa Mac, he's that dog's out of a Minnesota kennel. Is that correct? Well, yeah. So Steve Snyder owns that dog who's out of Minnesota. And so he's ran, um, handled and, and trained by Scott and Tammy Chafee. Okay. Who are out of Michigan? Okay. Yeah. The Steve Steve Snyder is a name that I I would have come up with, but I I do not know him or haven't met him, but I've heard his name along with Ponderosa Mac. So yeah, that's curious. Mm-hmm. I, I just having heard that name so much, I thought I would thought I would ask you, but I guess that that's maybe leads me to a little bit more interesting question. You've been getting involved in some of the grouse trials with Amos, and and I know you've been spending some time with the Minnesota Grouse Dog Association, just kind of running mm-hmm. in that circle a little bit. What what's been your experience so far? Because you haven't been doing it for decades, kind of more no. new to you. What have you What have you enjoyed about it? What have you What have you gained from it? Obviously, you've met a lot of great people, and yeah, and that's that's the that's one of the the great things is yeah, like you you get to meet people that are just as crazy about mm-hmm. dogs as you are, and then. You know, the average dogs per friend, once you get involved, really increases. So then you don't, like, when people have 10, 12 dogs, it's like, oh, I only have five. Like, it's not that many, right? <laughs> yeah, right. And right. Then, <laughs> then it's like, oh, you need to get some new friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, uh, no, A, it's you have great people involved, 
willing to help. The other thing is it's you're getting ready, say you're getting ready for the season and, you know, obviously we're, our lives are all super busy. And, you know, if you're just going out and hunting, it's like, well, you know, I really don't need to work with my dog. Like I can, like, it's fine if they're not completely broke. But then when you get, you know, into the trial stuff, it's like, well, man, I got this trial coming up in October or whatever. It's like, I need, I need my dog to be broke. Cause there's, there's something that is required, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like, okay, Nick, let's study for a test and it, it might not ever come right. Versus, okay, I've got a test on October 3rd and you better study for it because it's coming. I know exactly so, how that scenario is going to play out for me. <laughs> there could be no <laughs> studying in the first scenario. <laughs> well, we can't be all as naturally gifted and smart as you. Some of us need to study. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah. So it, and, and. So that's another thing is just that that bar that you're you're being judged against. You have to get out and and work dogs. And then the other thing that uh, I don't think a lot of people realize is that, especially in our clubs up here, I honestly think that we have got some of the best uh, grouse dogs mm. represented. So it's fun to be able to see a bunch of dogs like in a normal hunting season. Otherwise, I might see you know, maybe 20 different dogs. Now I get to see 20, 30, 50. Not, I mean, in a trial, yeah, there's, there, there could be 60 dogs in there. All, I mean, I wouldn't say all elite cover dogs, but all some damn good bird dogs. Yeah. I get to see them all in one weekend, right? And see how they run, see what, you know, what you like about, what you don't like about them. So yeah, that's what I tell, I tell people like, yeah, if you want to go experience a lot of dogs, go to a trial, and you're going to see, you know, in my opinion, some of the really good dogs out there. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. I do think that is, I've only been to one or two. I, I honestly, I could use a, a little dose of that accountability and, and some more of that in my life. I'd, my <laughs> my springs have been kind of crazy, but whatever. I, I won't bore people with my excuses, but it that is a good point that Especially when you're just starting out, because I, I like I think back to, you know, what I I, I was fortunate to kind of get connected with a lot of people, with some people, some key people that had good dogs and kind of knew what bird dogs were supposed to be when I got my dog. But I was pretty much completely blind before that, and then I just kind of got connected there, and I ended up going to a trial. But to see what what the end, you know, the end goal really, like you're, like you're saying, Mm -hmm. it's not, not that every dog is elite there, but generally that sample size is, is some above average hunting dogs that you're going to see at a trial and kind of paint the picture for you a little bit as someone who's just getting started out and maybe has their first bird dog. That's, that's a real healthy dose of reality. Kind of see what you're, what you're shooting for. Yes, exactly. And yeah. And it's fun to, I mean, looking back, because I mean, like I say, I've been doing it for whatever, two and a half years with yeah. Amos and just, just to see that progression, right. It's when, when he was a puppy, it's like, man, I don't like, it'd be cool if I got him to this point. And then all of a sudden you just, you, you put in the work and, and you see him progress. It's like, whoa, it's like at some point, man, I'd love to be able to have a dog just stand dead broke kicking around in front of them dogs ripping by birds flushing and not even look back at them yeah and just like i know he's going to be standing there and yeah it's 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 cool to see that getting closer to that final product yep absolutely yep well 
outside of running bird dogs and and going to trials and stuff you're uh you're a busy guy working for onyx hunt onyx maps what's what's new in the world of onyx ben oh we've got we've got we've had a really busy summer we've been kicking out some some cool things um yeah there's there's been a number of new features and a couple a couple of them for sure for us bird dog guys and 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 bird hunters uh that are that are going to be really cool that i've i've been using this summer so far to help find new spots whether it's uh, grouse stuff um, pheasants sharpies some some pretty pretty neat things one of those things is uh is called recent imagery so uh in your base maps you've got satellite hybrid topo and then if you click on that you can see recent imagery it's it's a lower resolution but it is updated much more frequently so like for example um it's August 21st right now yeah. and I am I am looking at I am looking at satellite imagery from less than a month old and you know a lot of people might be asking like okay well why is that important right why do I care right and I am looking right now I'm I'm exploring out west looking for new sharpie stuff and I can go and see what fields have already been harvested I can see what areas have cattle in them and i can't go down and see like i can't go and see individual like cows out there but you go look at an area and it's like okay there are clearly a bunch of cattle trails through there Mm. they probably got cows on this piece of property where um you know another area it's like okay this i can see that the the grass is a lot higher it hasn't been grazed down as much um so so that's huge as well as okay like even things like well is there water in this trough or is there water in this bottom i can see that as well so that it's just another way to help narrow things down obviously people are super busy so you want to get out there and you want to get on those birds right away so it's just another tool another feather in your cap to 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 be able to get those things done faster Gearing up for your next hunt? Check out Ugly Dog Hunting Company for all your dog supply needs. Ugly Dog Hunting carries a full line of products for your bird dog and even some for you. Whether you're looking for dog collars, GPS tracking devices, kennels, beds, leads, training equipment, or first aid supplies, Ugly Dog Hunting carries it and a whole lot more. New owner of the company and friend of the Bird Shop podcast, Mike Nadusky, loves to remind me that while I do hunt with pretty dogs, every dog can be an ugly dog. Check out the entire selection of gear for you and your bird dog at UglyDogHunting.com. For many upland hunters, along with their passion for dogs, birds, and the places we chase them, comes a passion for shotguns. Upland Gun Company specializes in customizing shotguns for the upland bird hunter imported from Italy and shipped direct to an FFL near you. Select from one of their side-by-side or over-under shotgun platforms and customize the fit, function, and aesthetics to your liking. Design and build your next upland hunting shotgun with Upland Gun Company today. Visit UplandGunCompany.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, yeah, that's a really neat feature. And obviously, you know, I, with a lot of this stuff, there's there's applications across, you know, multiple forms of hunting. It's always interesting to figure out how people do use the features. That's one of my, you know, it's one of the cool things about Onyx Hunt being an app like this. You guys are constantly adding things and improving it based on user feedback and the things that you guys are coming up with and the innovation and the imagery. I, I mean, it sounds obvious, but I don't know that I would have arrived at that conclusion checking for cattle. That's a good idea. I Naturally, my thought is having hunted sharptails, I think this will be my sixth year going out west and hunting sharptails. So obviously I learn a little bit with each year. But what are those, you know, how do those things change from year to year? And how does, how does having cattle on a, on a section impact it? And, you know, for what time period, those are the things that you just don't see because you're not out there all year long. Mm -hmm. But, but this idea to get a snapshot within two weeks, I think could, could prove really beneficial as far as like giving you a little bit more up-to-date look and filtering through some of those, some of those spots. Yeah, exa- exactly, and, and and that's just just one use case for it. Um, you know, even even to the extent of looking across some of the Sharpie range, obviously there's more moisture in certain areas, so you can even see, like for example, generally on satellite imagery, the lighter, the lighter the color. When we're talking grass here, lighter the color, the thinner it is. The darker the color, the thicker it is. So yeah. obviously that's like cattails are going to show up almost you know, a really dark green where a heavily grazed pasture is going to show up uh, a lighter color. Um, I can look across the Sharpie range and be like, okay, there's, there's good grass. There's good moisture here where, oh man, this area, like not so much. So lots of, lots of different use cases. And then you combine that with like, um, use some of the crop data layers. Yep. So it's like, okay, I'm, I'm looking at, this it looks like this wheat field has been harvested next to this good cover. I'm going to drop a waypoint on that. More things you can do just from the you know comfort of your own home and not have to drive you know x amount of hours to go it and see for yourself. Right, right. Again, going back to that preparation and planning. It's you know, I've heard you talk about this before. We maybe did it on the last episode. I don't remember, but just the ability to kind of look ahead and. It doesn't have to be like, you know, you don't have to have your whole trip planned out. I mean, you could if you wanted to, but to have those options, like those pins dropped areas that you've areas that you've identified as like an area of interest. And when you're on the ground to like simplify that decision-making process, okay, I've got a waypoint here. I've got a waypoint here. Like it just, like you said, when you're in the comfort of your own home and you can kind of, you can make some of those decisions ahead of time and it just puts you in a really a lot better spot for when you actually get out there and you're on the ground and you're, you're fighting daylight or early season heat mm-hmm. and you feel like you got to maximize every second, you know, being prepared in that way I've found to be really, really beneficial. Yeah. And, and I don't know if this is just me, but a lot of the times if I, say I go out to a new area and I haven't done my research and haven't looked, then I almost get into like a, I'm not going to say panic cause I'm obviously not panicked, but 
you're like, it's like, okay, I got to get to a spot and it's, you know, whatever it's, I've got to hunt the next morning and you're like, Oh shoot, I should, I should go over here or mm-hmm. should I go over here? Like, Oh, I don't like this kind of looks good. And then when you go back and it's like, man, I, if I would have spent an hour scouting that area, I could have weeded out a bunch of those mistake spots. It's like, okay, for one reason or the other, this wasn't good. And if I would have done my research, I would know why it's not good. And you can really just hone in on those, those good areas. And, and really, yeah, it's just about, it's for me, it's about maximizing time. And, and when I'm out there, I'm, I'm in productive areas. Yeah. Yeah. So I pulled up the web map and I'm toggling the recent imagery. That's pretty, that's pretty cool. Obviously. Yeah. The color tones change kind of across the whole map, but you can really see a lot of sort of bright, vivid greens in certain areas. I'll have to go, I'll have to do this. Um, well, actually if I just scroll to the east a little bit look at one of my favorite spots we found last year yeah that's pretty cool yeah and and like i say like the the caveat with that is like if you are expecting it to be the same resolution as our our you know aerial imagery it's that's not going to be the case it's um it's definitely not as crisp yeah but it is the goal is that it is updated more frequently so you can yeah you can see those you know things that could possibly impact where you're going to go. Yeah, it would be interesting. And I guess that that will be the test this year. If you can, when you get out there to look at, yeah, it gives you the window. So the, this image was taken sometime between the July 24th and August 7th, get out there Mm -hmm. and kind of see what it looks like. And, you know, that's how a lot of this stuff, once you sort of ground truth it, you say, okay, this is a, you know, this is an 11 year old Aspen stand and here's what it looks like on the Onyx imagery. You start to put those pieces together, then you're, then you're better prepared the next time you go and start scouting on the map. But yeah. And, and a lot of that stuff too, right? Like, uh, you know, we do have, for example, Minnesota, we've got that forest disturbance layer mm-hmm. that is updated fairly often. But a lot of the times, like if they're cutting, you know, if they're cutting right now, like certain areas, they'll, obviously do a, a ton of cutting in a single year they don't want to go bump around um i've shown up i'm sure you have new spot for the first time that year or an existing spot and it's like oh they clear cut right next to it or yep. something like that so another way to use it yeah and that in the in the woods too the obviously the fresh clear cuts are the things that really pop out on the map too so i imagine if you're kind of tootling around looking at your right you know your usual hunt area wherever you plan on hunting if you flip that recent imagery thing you're going to see some recent forest openings and could Mm -hmm. be a good good place to drop a pin for the years ahead or at least just to to know that about the covers you're planning to hunt exactly when it comes to when it comes to scouting for say digital scouting for sharp tails sharp tails huns that prairie country like i wonder like how you go about it what tips you have there's there's kind of an interesting thing that I, I never noticed it the first few years out there until I think my friend Ted pointed it out to me, how you can really identify the pasture land. I mean, the agricultural stuff jumps out at you. And so you can kind of, by process of elimination, figure out what's going to be pasture land. But there's really a, there's a way that pasture land and grasses looks on the map that you can really identify sort of big chunks of pasture and and I, I don't know, that, that's, that's what I've been looking at, but how do you go about trying to find new places to hunt sharp tails? 
Yeah, so really the first thing is obviously I'm a public land hunter as of are you. So you got to have public property to be able to hunt them. So that's the first thing is just finding those densities of public land. And the nice thing about Montana is, my gosh, um, barring a few areas, like there is just there's a pile of public land, whether it's BLM, BMAs, state ground. Um, there's there's a lot of access. So when you're when you're starting out, it can be pretty intimidating. But really, it's just um, kind of starting out is is looking. I look a lot for areas of moisture. Mm. So if you go, um, gosh, what is the thing? I can type it in my browser, and it always like uh, going to like up. Noah or something where you're looking for rain accumulation. A, I think it's like AHPS. Okay. Precipitate precipitation analysis. So you can go in. Um, and I always select, like, for example, I'll pick like the, like this time of year, the last 90 days and I can click, uh, departure from normal or, um, observed. And that's going to essentially tell me how much rainfall versus, you know, what they normally get in that time frame, And that kind of just helps me get in the right area. Like I'm, for example, not going to go to an area that is like, this is a hundred percent drought, right? Like not a good situation. You don't obviously you don't want to go do that. So, um, that's kind of where I'll start is just find those areas that, that had good rainfall. And then from there, I'll go into the map and, um, and start picking things apart. So like what I'm looking for is first and foremost is like you said, that range land. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, and then terrain, right? I like, I'm not looking for big flat, nothingness Mm -hmm. open area um and really how you can turn on the 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 hybrid map which will overlay the topography on it yeah um so finding those hilly areas and then really it's it's looking for uh i guess i would call it diversity in terms of and that's coming back to that that color aspect we were talking about um if you're looking at a i'm looking at a pasture here for example where it's pretty much just a big tan open like very very little change in coloration and it's light lighter the grass the thinner it is so i can see cattle trails going through it um it's like hmm, this is just a big wide open nothing area thinner grass where you start to see what you're looking for or at least what i look for is i'm starting to see like these little ravines little creek beds Mm -hmm. like you can see these these patches of buffalo berry or choke cherry um, on that landscape. And I'll mark those spots just because it's hard. You know, you get to an area that's just super grazed down. It's like, there's not a whole lot of reason for the bird to be there where, okay, here's choke cherries, buffalo berries, there's cover for these birds. Um, that That's really the, the main thing in a nutshell I'm looking for. Yeah, I'm just about to drop a pin as you finish here, <laughs> I'm, I'm putting Ben's tips to use here, but yeah, those are, those are definitely things that I would, I would echo, um, from again, in my you know, five, five years or whatever, going out there and kind of learning, learning a little bit more each year, but you point out the, the, the comparison to dark to light. I mean, that's definitely something you want to key in on the lighter it is, the, the less likely it's sort of thicker, thicker grass or thicker cover. And it, that can vary a little bit if it's, if it is like an egg, egg piece or the rangeland as you aptly put, but 
I think one of the best ways to identify it is look for those creeks and those streams, which, which are usually, whether it's an actual flowing creek or stream, there's usually some kind of a draw or you can, you can identify it based on the topography and, and onyx will have the blue dash lines in there or whatever, but you'll see that color in the bottom where obviously water is collecting and growing different mm-hmm. types of vegetation. You can kind of work your way out from something like that. Cause like you, I, it's almost like an, an aesthetic thing, but I really like hunting topography as well versus a flat area. Like I don't, it's not that there's not sharp tails in, in flat areas, but I kind of like that elevation and I like working the hills. And I mean, I think that definitely is, is better sharp tail habitat. They do tend to like that kind of terrain, but I, I kind of always go to that stuff. So I'm, I'm sort of self self biasing my, my survey size. But when you find that, you find a nice draw and you can see it sort of rise out of there, maybe not too steep, but just sort of that gradual rise out of there. And you've got some Hills in the, in other areas you know you're going to have terrain features and topography to work and hopefully the grass is right but you can really start to identify that pretty easily on the map once you again get get out there and see it for yourself yeah exactly and the other thing it's like if you're going you know i've talked to a number of people that are going out there for the first time and just to get a like a visualization you can flip it into 3d yes and you can kind of you can see what you know what you're expecting and if you're hunting a flatter area like what I'll do a lot of the times, like I'll find an area that I know, I know I've either driven by it or I've been to and I'll go and flip that in 3D and then I can go and use like that 3D exaggeration tool. So if you go um, on the web map in the bottom right corner, it'll exaggerate that elevation. So really, so it looks, it looks right in your mind. Um, I don't know if that if that's a great way of describing it. But a lot of the times if it's generally flat, like it, it'll almost look pancake flat when in reality you're like, well, I know there's some topography yeah. here, but it just doesn't look right on the map. Um, and I'll go exaggerate that, that uh, topography. So then I can actually get an accurate picture of what I'm looking like, at least in my mind. Yep. Um, there's, there's no like, I don't know. There's, there's no like hard and fast rule, but, that at least gets you to the point where it's like, okay, this, this looks to me what it would look like when I'm out hunting and, and give you a more accurate picture. Yeah. I know when, when that first feature came out, I thought that was interesting because it, it's all relative, right? Like when you go out West mm-hmm. and mountains and stuff, obviously you look at those kinds of maps and you can see, you know, in the past you could see the, the, topo- the topography and you can see that change. But then yeah. if you, start looking in the Midwest where you and I are when it's relatively very fat or flat, that that stuff doesn't, that stuff doesn't jump out the same way. So that tool, basically, if you have something in the back of your mind, that is a topography or a terrain feature that you want to look at that feature exactly as it's labeled and you describe it exaggerates the topography so that you can, you can still highlight the, okay, here's the highest point in the area and here's how I could work, work yeah. this, or here's the line I want to take. It, it, it paints that picture a lot clearer as you, as you stated. Yeah. And, and really, cause there's a spot I train at here and I'm looking at it without any exaggeration. When I'm out there walking it, it's like, this is most certainly a hill. I mean, it's not, like you said, it's all relative. It's mm-hmm. not a mountain here, but like, it's certainly a hill. And when I look at 3d, it's pretty much saying that 
it's dead flat. And I know that's not true. So by using that exaggeration, I get it to the way I want it to look at and then or the way I want it to look. And then I can go out to wherever, where, you know, if you're going to go hunting South Dakota or Montana, Wyoming, wherever, um, just to give you a more accurate picture. Yeah. So beyond identifying like the rangeland, are there, when you sort of widen your scope, are you looking for, like, do you like to see rangeland adjacent to something else? Or, cause I kind of, I guess, where I'm at right now, I'm sort of like, I look for the good rangeland with the topography and the, maybe the diversity, some of the dark colorations in there. I'm looking at a piece right now. I look for that and I probably would go hunt it. But if I were to widen what I was looking at, you know, I'm not like, is there an alfalfa field nearby? You know, there's things I can Mm -hmm. pick up on, but when you're looking on the map, is there anything else that you're looking for beyond just that, that first level of habitat selection? Yeah, so so you you brought up a good point. Like the, the alfalfa is great. Tons of especially for young birds. There's a lot of insects in there. Yep. Um, great food source. So I will turn on in the crop layers. I'll turn on alfalfa, mm. um, and then yeah, then you can then it's a really easy. You can go around and be like, okay, I think I think this is good. Okay, there's an alfalfa field next to this draw where uh, you know there's some some good woody cover. Yep. Or it looks like there's good grass adjacent to that alfalfa field. Um, yeah, that exactly. It'll just hone you in that much more. And while I don't, there doesn't always have to be crops adjacent to, especially with sharpies. Yeah. Um, with huns, I'm a little bit more, you know, particular. And obviously, you can you can flush huns in the middle of a giant uh, rangeland, hundred percent. But um, for me, it, it's just proven to be. Uh, a lot better use of my time to go hunt, you know, those those weedy draws that work through uh, a, a piece of whether it's a lot of the times it's small grain. So whether it's canola, wheat, that kind of thing um, has been more efficient for me when hunting hunts. Yeah. Yeah. And that's I've, I've talked a number of times on the podcast how I in my trips out there, I have not got into a, a lot of hunts and maybe partially sort of where I'm hunting, but, but also just kind of that I may be sort of am answering my own question where I'm not, I'm not paying attention to those things or I'm just looking for that good, good range land. And um, yeah, Sharpies are on the brain obviously, but yeah. And exactly. Cause you, you, while you like, when I go out there, a lot of times I, I am hunting pretty much Sharpies, mm-hmm. but I don't, I, yeah, I don't run into that many huns. Like they are definitely in different habitats. So I, I definitely hone in like, all right, we're going to go hunt Huns. I'm definitely looking for uh, a different type of property than I am if I was strictly hunting Sharpies. All right. So what else as far as feature sets go? I know the, the compass tool had kind of a neat little change that basically eliminates something I used to do with the line distance tool a lot. Talk to me about the little update to the compass feature. Yeah, so if, if if you guys haven't, if there's anyone out there that hasn't heard of the Compass feature, uh, if you're using the app in the bottom right corner, there's a crosshair. And if you click it once, that will take you to your location. Yep. That's, so that'll bring the, bat, the map back to you. If you Show click you it as twice, a blue dot on the map. Yep. If you click it twice, you will get a cone where essentially if, if you are holding your phone flat out in front of you, um, it's essentially course up. So then it's like, okay, the truck 
as you as you turn your as you turn your phone, you're facing in different directions. Um, that will show you, okay, you're looking at the map course up. Okay, I want to walk to the truck. It's this way. Um, we've added, like you said, another feature where it's essentially added a line distance or a, a range finder tool, I guess, in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it'll give you a line that extends out from your location and show you uh, a scale distance to on the side. So I use a lot for... Um, I've been using a lot, you know, obviously turkey hunting, it's great. It's like, okay, I think that bird is over here. Um, he's got to be on this field edge. That field edge is 250 yards. But for bird hunting, it's like, okay, I want to get to this piece of cover. It's getting warm out. Do I have enough time? It's yeah. 800 yards away. Or, man, I, I feel like we've been walking for a long time. I got to see how far the truck is. It's like, okay, the truck's two miles back. We better go turn around or... Oh yeah, like the truck is 500 yards. We're we're fine to go. Keep going further. So, um, just a really quick, easy way to see where you're at in relation to other features on the landscape. Yeah, yeah. I'll be honest. the The first place my mind went to was the turkey hunting example with that feature. Just okay. I'm I'm sitting here on this little knob, and I heard a gobble, and I think it's this way. How far is it? And the you know the rangefinder is going to tell you that, and then you could drop a you could drop a pin on on that distance or based mm-hmm. on whatever your your best intel is at that time, so you have that reference point. There's some the way the guys talked about it in the master class was cool. If you're glassing animals and and wanting to have a reference point before you start your stock, or the I thought was really cool if you're let's say you're in a stand or or you you take a shot. And you ranged the animal with an actual rangefinder, so you knew where that was. Then on your map, you can use the Onyx rangefinder to drop a pin at that exact range, so you have a starting point, like where you're going to go down and look for a blood trail or something. That was that was kind of a cool crossover feature there as well. But I, I used to use yeah. a line distance tool a lot, and this is basically just a, a faster way to use that line distance tool from your location, and then it's dynamic. So as you're zooming in and out on the map, I think that scale and the distance is changing, obviously. Did I lose you? I lost you, yeah. Okay, I got you back. All right. Yep, so the so the compass feature is is and, and I think, yeah, for upland hunting, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be the way the ways that you described it where you're checking your distance from a certain feature or back to the truck. And I guess not to overlook the just in case anybody hasn't used that, I think I think I started it was maybe Google Maps that first did that, but I remember when my buddy first told me that you could kind of hold your phone flat and you could bring up that little blue cone to kind of show which way you're oriented on the map. I mean, that's a that's a simple little thing. I mean, it seems not that impressive now in 2023, but man, when you're talking about navigating in the field and, <laughs> and walking around, like that's that's a pretty handy little feature. And obviously Onyx pulled that in. <laughs> Yeah, and you know, in the grouse woods is where I use it a ton, yes. just because you can't, right? You can't see a lot of the times. Yep. Um, so I'll use it a lot there, and then the other time I I've found myself using it quite frequently is in the like in the big cities. <laughs> so if I was in Minneapolis or something like that, and it's like, man, I got to figure out where the hotel is, and I'll flip that on. So. <laughs> yeah, you can you can do your your range finder. Distance uh, distance to hotel at two a.m. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the only problem is there you you're not going to be going in a straight line. You're going to be 
zigzagging yeah. around the sidewalk. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So yeah, some, some cool things that'll, that'll definitely, definitely, uh, help some folks, uh, this, this bird season. Yep. How about CarPlay? I know that was a feature last year and I really haven't had a chance to use that just cause I've got an old truck. I, I actually have Apple CarPlay, but it's, it's, uh, the cord is always going bad and it's, it's mm-hmm. just my truck thing. So anyways, I haven't had a chance to do that a lot of hands on, but what has been your experience? I've seen people using it. Obviously you've got the Onyx map right there in your dash. And if you got a newer vehicle, you might have a cool big screen in your, on your dash there, but anything to note as far as how to use or limitations with CarPlay or how does that been working for you? Yeah. CarPlay is just, it's just been great. Hey, it's, I mean, it's just a lot safer because it's just, it's built into your dash. You're not having to, you know, pull up your phone, take mm-hmm. your attention away from driving necessarily. But now it's a bigger screen. I used to bring my iPad a yep. lot and have that in the truck just to have a, a larger screen. But now everything is built into your dash. Um, just just makes it a whole lot easier. Um, and the nice thing is all you have to do is, I mean, all you really have to do is plug your phone in or some, you know, the newer vehicles now. Um, it just does it all over Bluetooth. So jump in your car and you go and the onyx hunt app will be right in your um you know right in your your list of apps just from being on your phone so you don't have to install it on your truck or anything like that yeah it's it's pretty easy and then there are things like you can't you can't drop waypoints and and it's not a fully functional app Um, and that's just for safety reasons right like you don't want it's why you can't watch netflix on your fireplace. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> yeah. Um I I'm imagining that your your map is syncing though. So if you've got waypoints and stuff dropped on your phone, are those those are showing up on on your CarPlay screen? 100%. Yep, it is dynamic. So, yep, you're 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 seeing all that that recent content. Drop a waypoint, it's going to it's going to uh highlight on the map as well. So, yeah. very cool. Yeah. All right. Anything else jump out at you as far as sort of features you've been using? And, you know, I haven't gone through and done a lot of organizing. And I know we've talked about folders before. You guys are getting better and better. Obviously, people are accumulating significant amounts of data within Onyx. And you got the colors. You can change the waypoints. Everybody kind of, I think, develops their own little Mm -hmm. system organically. But anything else come to the top of your mind as far as things you've really been using and liking? Well, one thing that um, one thing—it's not necessarily a feature, but so we are starting to starting to to roll out in Canada. Oh, so I, we, I, I get asked that to, a lot, a lot by listeners when when you guys are coming to Canada, like what's the status of Canadian maps? So, and so we are we uh, I wouldn't say we are fully rolled out in Canada right now. We started with um, so we've got all the public land in Canada um, in there right now. So obviously for certain. You know, for certain provinces, it's going to be more important um, than others. You look at Alberta; there's there's a lot less public land than, say, like Ontario or British Columbia. But um, so so we are getting into that market. We don't have private land data yet, but it's something something we are working on. So I'm actually going to to Alberta to go hunt Huns this year and Saskatchewan. So it's just it's nice to you know I figure I'm going to go and and hunt some private land as well, but kind of that first day, that first morning you get up there, you want to go out and, and get out in the field and hunt. So it's like, okay, well, here's some public land. I can get out and and get a jump on it and then spend the afternoon driving around and, and knocking on doors. So yep. um, 
that's something that we'll, we're going to continually um, just just improve upon and, and add a lot of those same um, you know those same data layers that we have in the U.S. Awesome. Well, if there's any Canadian listeners have been holding out to this point, be sure to go go subscribe and use the BSP two zero promo code. <laughs> Get you some yeah, Canadian exactly. signups. <laughs> I know that that yeah. has been a common question over the years. People in Canada, we we do have Canadian listeners of the show and. And uh, we talk about Onyx a fair bit, as you guys are the title sponsor of the show. So that's been a been a common question. So that's good good news. Yeah. When are you heading up there? Uh, I'm going to be up there towards the end of end of September. I'm going to okay. try to spend like two two and a half weeks up there, between a little bit of waterfalling and and then obviously chasing after Hans. The the Sharpie season, for whatever reason, is it doesn't it's it's only runs from. Uh, it runs from October 1st to October 30th or really? 31st, I believe 31st. Yeah. So is that kinda, like, was, is that, that a, like countrywide? Like, or is that like, does it change by province or I think it, yeah, it does. Cause like okay. that, and that's, I'm, I guess I'm referring specifically to Alberta, yeah. but, and there's other things like that's just interesting. Right. Cause I haven't spent, I haven't spent a ton of time. I have never been up there bird hunting, um, hunted waterfall up there, but like, don't quote me on this exactly, but like uh, Saskatchewan, for example, I think you can only shoot um, as a as a non-resident alien. So essentially, being from the U.S., hunting mm-hmm. in Canada, like you can only shoot. I believe it's like two two limits a year. So you can only shoot, you know, two limits of Huns or two limits of Sharpies, and then you're you're done for the entire year. Yeah, so. I think I had heard something similar to that from some folks that have been up there. Yeah, so it, it's it's just a you know, it's a whole new learning curve yeah. and I'm, I'm looking forward to going up there. It's obviously going to be a different landscape. So, and really that's what, I mean, half the fun of it for me is just going out, finding new spots, um, figuring out a different landscape. Like I was in Texas the other day and, mm. um, we were down for a, the, it's the Texas statewide quail symposium. We went out to Rolling Plains oh, wow. research ranch yeah. and looking at it, it's like nothing I had quail hunted before in you know oklahoma new mexico uh kansas so it was like actually steve snell was down there and i was picking his brain he's like okay why is this good why is this not good so that's i mean that's half the fun is just is really figuring those different birds out yeah yeah no doubt yeah awesome man well you got a you got a canadian bird hunting trip on the horizon and a young setter to get in the field and We've got yep. a we've got a hopefully a good season ahead in the grouse woods. I'm looking forward to that. I know you are as well. Any any other uh, new adventures or anything you're you're really eyeballing later in the fall? Um, you know, I, I definitely um, I chucker hunted for the first time last year, ah. and that was that was unreal. That was it was honestly something that I didn't think I was going to enjoy as much for whatever reason, but yeah. I did it, and it was so much fun. Cool, so much fun. So I'm, I'm going to try to try to get out there and, and do that as well as, um, you know, I'd like to get back to, to, to Texas and go chase after some, some blues and Bob whites down there. They were poised to have a, just a banner year, got a bunch of rainfall this spring, but then it kind of, uh, kind of dried out pretty mm. good. So, um, we'll see, we'll see, you know, there's, there's so a lot a of people tentative outlook that. at this point. Yeah, there's there's people saying, you know, that I mean they had some some good hatches. So, we'll see. That that's uh on the horizon and 
hopefully uh hopefully i'll get the chance to make it down there and and the bird numbers are decent so heck yeah man yeah all right buddy well appreciate you taking the time to come on the bird shot podcast once again i'm sure we'll have you back on at some point but always appreciate the onyx updates and i'm sure i'll our paths will probably cross this fall. So we're almost there, man. I sure hope, I sure hope they cross. And like <laughs> I said, I always, I always appreciate being on. Obviously, if you've got any Onyx questions, you can reach out to Nick or reach out to me. My contact information isn't that hard to find on the, the old Google machine. So happy to help. So appreciate it, Nick. All right, man. Well, best of luck to you and the dogs this fall. Have a blast and we'll see you out there, buddy. You too. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Birdshot Podcast presented by Onyx Hunt, Final Rise, and Upland Gun Company. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, and share. And if you really love the show and want to contribute above and beyond what you already do by listening, you can sign up at patreon.com forward slash birdshot. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you on the next episode of the Birdshot Podcast. Onyx Hunt is the number one hunting GPS app. Join millions of other hunters who trust Onyx Hunt to find more game, discover new access, and hunt smarter. Onyx Hunt shows you nationwide public and private land boundaries. They've got topographic and 3D maps. You can track your route, location, and elevation profile. You can save maps for offline use and take Onyx Hunt with you wherever you go. The most comprehensive hunting tool you'll own Download the Onyx Hunt app today and use the promo code BSP20 to save 20% on your next Onyx Hunt subscription. Know where you stand with Onyx. Hey everyone, this is Nick from the Gundog It Yourself podcast. If you enjoyed this show, then you might want to check out my show as well. We highlight and break down the ins and outs of training your own hunting dog. Whether it's a bird dog or even the occasional hound dog episode, we cover all topics related to hunting dogs. Check out Gundog It Yourself on any podcast streaming platform and hit the subscribe button to be sure not to miss any future episodes.